are listening to the Stones Will Cry Out Radio Show with Dovita White and Draco Sullivan. It's the Stones Will Cry Out Radio Show. Coming to you live via satellite airwaves. Where the voices of men, women, and children behind bars will not be silenced. The Stones Will Cry Out. Dingolive.com. Freedom from the abyss of the Iron Beast. Welcome, 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 ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for tuning in to the Stones Will Cry Out podcast show, which is a platform for the voices of men, women, and children behind bars to not be silenced. Before we get started, I would like to thank our amazing sponsors, Zeno Live, Y4L, Entrepreneurs for Life, Triangle Restoration House, and Google Ads. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Stones Will Cry Out podcast show. I am super excited. We have a wonderful guest on the line. But before we get to our guest, ladies and gentlemen, I would like to introduce you to my co-host, Draco Sullivan. How you doing, brother? Hey, hey, Demet. I'm doing fine. Just trying to make it, man. Just trying to make it and keep my head in the right in the right perspective of things and keep things going forward. Awesome. How awesome. you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Um, had a rough week last week. My mom had surgery and I had to go to New York. But you know what? God is good. Her spirits are up and she's healing nicely. So, you know, and I thank you and everybody else for their prayers. Yeah, yeah. Glad to hear that. I'm glad she's doing better. Thank you. Thank yep. you. So on the line right now, I have a very special brother. He is my, I call him my baby brother that God sent to me because, you know, I lost a brother. And um, I'm just so in awe that he is home. Ladies and gentlemen, on the line, we have Mr. Clifton Washington. How you doing, my awesome brother? I'm blessed and highly favored. Um, honored to be on the radio with you guys. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, it's, a, it's an honor to us, brother. Anytime we got a brother that's willing to share his stories to bring or shed light on situations that I feel and think is detrimental to us as a people and, 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 and to society as a whole, I mean, it's always a pleasure. And I appreciate you doing this, brother. Yeah, it's, it's a blessing to be able to do it. It's a blessing to be able to do it. Awesome. So can you tell the callers, you know, who you are and, um, you know, what led you to this moment with this call? Um, okay, my name is Clifton Jerome Washington, known as author Clifton Deuce Washington. Um, I'm from Raleigh, North Carolina. I just got out of prison in the BOP, federal U.S. Penitentiary, uh, Lee County, July 3rd. Um, and I'm still slightly traumatized and suffering from anxiety um, as I was pushed back into society without uh, you no know, halfway house. They took it from me. Um, I done been beaten. Shackled down for three, four days, and my head bust. Uh, and fortunately, I knew Mr. Nita White uh, from Aspire to Acquire. Okay, so I just want to be a 
I want to be a voice. Uh, when I heard about these songs, we'll cry out. I heard it from another I seen. Uh, the way I met Demita, I seen while I was at the microwave, they had a poster of some kids behind some bars uh, and uh, something about We Are Human move- movement. So I end up uh, contacting her at the number uh, that she uh, that, it, that was up there. And she, ever since, she just been riding with me. Uh, she so showed more concern than um, my own biological family. Um, I couldn't call nobody uh, for her at times. Um, she got the congressman, the senator, a lot of people involved. Um, and I was shipped from place to place to place. I done seen guys lose their uh, figure of speech. I done seen people get killed. And most importantly, I done seen the oppression that, uh, that's bestowed upon the people. Uh, so I'm thankful for the media for giving me the opportunity to do this uh, interview. It's an honor. I just whatever question you guys want to know, whatever you want to know or need to know. As I said before, I'm willing to take a lot of te- the test and a complete affidavit. I, I'm just here for the people to uh, to know about the staff misconduct, the violation of the rights, the targeting, um, the staff eating our commissary during the lockdowns, um, having knives planted on us. Um, I got dates where you can see the in-camera review where they skipping ourselves for breakfast not feeding you um that's the first shift of course the third shift feeds everyone um i told i have told my case manager about a uh, particular staff playing knives on me spitting on my property on my pillow in the cell and admitting to eating our uh, commissary uh so i was subjected to depression um and when i told my case manager who's supposed to be the people that we pretended to he just told me i understand <laughs> that was it right so you know they put you in the mountains you far away from home um, you know, you ain't getting no visits. I probably had, I had three visits in 10 years. I just, I just want to go back to the incident that led you to call me while you were in the shoe and while you got, while you, when you got beaten down. So that was oh, March, 22nd, okay. wait, March 22nd, 2017. That's when I emailed and called the man, but was that the actual date? And could you just tell us what led up to that that call? You know, All right, those- so on March Sorry. on March seventh, two thousand and seventeen, um, actually a couple of days before that, uh, when you go to the law library from the hole when you're in the shoe, they call it the shoe special housing unit, which is segregation. When you go to the uh, the law library, you and your cellie gotta go at Canaan due to a uh, incident that had happened with somebody in the correctional office. So we go to the uh, law library in shackles, of course. When we come back, uh, my cellmate, he was uh, yelling to one of his friends from New York, and the CO told us, uh, you know, to shut up, he told him to shut up, uh, or he'll make him shut up. So, uh, you know, my cellie, you know, he was kind of a uh, loud, boisterous New York type of guy, so he was like, man, come on, man, I'm talking to my man. So he's like, all right, they put us in a holding cage, and it's probably about... You can use, you can, I can use my arms, I can touch both sides of the wall with my arms, so they made us both get naked. Right there, you know, we turned our backs out of respect for each other, and uh, we was naked in the, uh, the little room. So they gave us like these paper suits that you, that you can't even really move in. So they took us up to our uh, to our cell. They took everything, um, like as far as our letters, uh, pictures, um, the beds, and you know. So that means we was gonna be uh, sleeping on steel in Pennsylvania. Probably be about 12 degrees, but when they turn the AC on, just to make us suffer more. It got so bad that uh, I was going to hit the uh, the panic button and tell them, look, man, I apologize. 
you know, for something that I ain't even do. So uh, that morning I told myself, because um, I couldn't see that, man, I told myself I'm going on a hunger strike because that's the only thing they respect. So when the police came, the, the correctional officer came to our cell door, which is on camera, I uh, I told him um, I'm on a hunger strike and my cellie taking this trade. So he was like a hunger strike. So he looked in the cell to try to find a reason to, uh, you know, the bothers and stuff. And he seen that my cellie was so cold, my cellie put a piece of paper to try to block the AC off, you know, the air coming out of it. So they told my cellie and me to take it off. So my cellie hesitated. They took his tray and they threw it up against the wall. So now he ain't eating either. I was already on a hunger. Well, I was on a hunger strike, so it really didn't matter to me. So now my cellie, he, he you know, he's kind of upset. And he's asking for his food, but they, you know, they kept on going. So, uh. After like the third day, they're supposed to uh, report it to the region that's over the federal prison in their um, location or whatever. So fortunately, they didn't, uh, they wasn't, they wasn't reporting it. So I asked for a BPA, which is a grievance form. And the guy was like, okay, so I heard you wrote me up. He said he was going to take my grievance and tear it up and they was going to beat us. So they came back, took us out the cell, put us in a uh, holding cage. When we get back in the cell after they search again, even though we ain't have nothing in there, they got KKK drawn on my celly uh, cup. They don't give us any pens. They give us like rubber pencils, so it'd be hard to write. Uh, to me, you know, the, that's why my handwriting used to look like that. They uh, they drew two penises on the wall and put Donald Trump 2017 in it. Um, then they wrote uh, All Lives Matter on the wall. Um, so I got frustrated. Uh, I started working out, doing a lot of push-ups. So uh, my celly, he didn't really like to eat with me not eating for three days straight. So uh, I passed out in front of the uh, the, the metal post of the, bed, uh, of the bed leg or whatever and uh, the bunk. So my celly hit the panic, the rest burning the buttons to, the, to get the attention of the medical staff. However, uh, a facility staff member walked up there and my celly told him, look, my celly's on the ground. I can still hear him talking. I just needed some cold air that was coming from the floor. You know, to warm my, uh, I mean, uh, give me some type of cool air so I can, you know, kind of get my energy back. And he told him to kick me. So my cellie said, I'm not kicking him. So about five minutes later, I guess, they, you know, they took it kind of serious, even though they're supposed to respond as soon as you push the button. So I hear a bunch of running. So my cellie said, here they come, man. So we thinking it's a medical emergency they're reporting to. So they unlocked the wicket, tell my cellie to put his uh, arms backwards through the, uh, so they could cuff his wrist through the uh, slot in the door. They slammed him in front of the camera, running the cell, and I'm thinking it's medical. They started pulling my dreads, kicking me in the back of the head, uh, pulling my arm that got dislocated. Uh, my cardia, I don't know how to pronounce it, but I got, uh, I got it all on paper and stuff like that. Um, so they twisted my arm. It's about three, four police calling me niggas. They uh, kicking me in the back of the head. My head split. So the blood started dripping. So I, I, I'm, you know, I'm yelling and all that. So uh, at this point right here, you know, I'm thinking, okay, so now they're bless my head and all this. So we're going to see how this is going to turn out. So they picked me up. They dragged me down the hallway. It's this lady I'll never forget, this medical lady. She was smiling. You know, that's how they uh, that's how they do up there in uh, Pennsylvania. You ain't, ain't no black people around that period. Like, all the COs is like 98% white. So, uh, you know, I'm looking at all their faces. And uh, one particular correctional officer, he just was shaking his head. And they put me in a room. And I was asking the captain, I was like, hey, captain, man, you gonna let him do this, man? But he kept going. So they put me in a room, so I started saying the Lord's Prayer, and uh, they was trying to, you know, take the blood off of my face. So this one CO, I think his name was uh, Moore, he comes up and he says, uh, ain't we supposed to record this? This guy's bleeding. 
Cause they told him no. And then the medical was at the uh, the whole door trying to get let in. It was like medical staff at the shoe door. They said it's taken care of. So after that, they for five minutes, they took me from room to room, threatening me, pressing me up against the wall. Uh, you know, threatening to, you know, they already had pulled out some of my dreads. And they took me back to my cell. So I was sitting on a bunk and I was kind of like in a zone. And uh, the psychologist, Dr. Bell, she walked through and uh, my cellie started talking to her and she got upset when he, she seen that what they had wrote on the wall as far as the KKK. She knew what was going on up there, how they uh, torturing people. So she told, look, I, I want to let them out. That's what she told to the uh, staff. So they had to let me out in cuffs, of course. And uh, we went to the room and her main thing was when she had her paper out, who did this to you? Which officers was it? So I told Officer Hayden, uh, Officer Schwartz. And uh, after that, they would come past my cell every morning. She wrote down all the notes. They put me back in the cell. She, t she called the medical staff for me to come see me about my head being split, uh, my dreads being pulled out and stuff like that. So then for the next couple of days, I kept on filing. That's when I wrote you, Demeter. And I kind of told you what was going on. Uh, some of my mail wouldn't go out. I had to send out everything certified just to make sure it would get there. Um, but at this point, they're coming past my cell every morning and they'll put their hands into like a gun signal and they'll be like, bong, when I look at them. And I just smile though, you know, because they see me with my pen and paper. That's what I fight with. So I just keep on writing, keep on writing. And then after a while, from all my writing, from all my grieving, they came to the cell door. Um, and thanks to Demeter, the lieutenant said, what can I do to make your stay here at Canaan better? This guy shaking and all that. So I said, first, just take a deep breath and calm down. Because see, now I know, okay, they see, you know, I don't got to respond with violence or kick the door. Now, like, all I got to do is push the pen to the paper and I know how I learned their language. So what happened was they shipped me out of there. They was hoping I'll, you know, forget about what happened. But I got to a point in my life over the 10 years where I don't look for instant gratification. Anyway, 18 months later, uh, December last year, they pulled me out while I was at Lee County and they took me to, um, to talk to an uh, investigator. And um, he like, he investigated the uh, staff misconduct and he uh, told me he wanted to do an affidavit on me. He told me that those officers no longer work at that prison. And I said, that's where I'm at with it right now. Um, but that situation wasn't nearly as worse as what we just went through at Lee County. That was USP Canaan. Lee County is a whole different level. Uh, they told me um, that I made it out alive. Uh, I, I went through more at Lee County for my last six months and you know, my last year in prison than I ever went through in my life. You know, that's where uh, uh, I'm pretty sure you'd be getting phone calls from those guys to meet. Uh, they haven't called me in the last three days, so I know they kind of like on lockdown. They say it's on lockdown because, uh, well, they would tell us we're on lockdown because the hold is full. I never heard of such thing uh, at any other uh, prison location. But, you know, before I left, um, a Haitian guy that had broke his ribs, um, he, can't, he can't take a shower. He can't eat. Uh, we got to walk with him to give him his food. Um, everything, uh, uh, you know, like I, I'm willing to take a lot of the test. Like, you know, they... They was mad when they let me out. That's why I was telling you to me to like make sure that I get to the bus stop and uh, make it home. Um, they deliberately showed disregard for my future. I'd have been taunted, cheated out of my halfway house, and simply mistreated. I've been denied grievances, discouraged, lied to, and even marked by the three F unit team names: uh, Mr. Collins, Mr. Carroll, and Unit Manager Mullins. So the people that they beating up and putting you in the shoe and putting you in the hole. Um, one guy got his eyes pulled out. Uh, one guy, the warden told him if he don't want this guy to be a celly, to kill him. So the guy went back in the cell, and then the celly got through, and he killed the celly. So now when they lock him up, now he got a murder charge, which you already in prison. 
uh, the people asked, like, you know, uh, why did you do it? He said, the warden told me to kill him. So now, with that being done, the warden no longer works there. But people out here, they always say black lives matter, and, and I, I, I'm totally with that. I feel like all lives matter, but people don't know what's going on in those U.S. penitentiaries in the United States. Uh, uh, at one point, I was very discouraged, depressed, and negative towards the future of the, of the world due to the mistreatment and misconduct allowed to be performed by the, uh, by the staff out there. Um, I can't even begin to explain uh, uh, some of the things that took place. Uh, the secretary, all of them covered for each other. Um, uh, my homeboy Simba, he had uh, a knife planted on him. Um, and Matula Shakur, is one, he was one of Matula Shakur's uh, students, so we were trying to contact him. And this guy, Matula Shakur, he's one of the original Black Panthers. He's serving a life sentence, uh, I guess, for not denouncing um, you know, his uh, political affiliations and stuff like that. But uh, they, they pulled me over one day to uh, well, walk. I was walking, and the SIS investigator told me to stop doing grievances. And he's trying to keep the police off of me. But, you know, I, uh, I knew I was getting out. Um, I suffer, I can't sleep. See, I thought it was just in there that uh, I wasn't going to be able to sleep. But even out here, I haven't got five full hours of rest yet since I've been home. And uh, my, uh, my son's mom, she tells me that I be jumping in my rest all the time. Like I, I and sometimes I'll be talking in my sleep and I get up sweating and all that. So this is the type of uh, stuff that's going on. A lot of people don't, they want to sugarcoat it and all that. Uh, but I got dates, I got documents, I got handwritten stuff. Um, for, for instance, on uh, I wrote a grievance. I was transported to, from the medical department here at Lee County to a uh, meeting with Warden Brecken on 7 12 18 where, where over 20 other staff members sat on either side of the room at around a little after 9 a.m i was told to sit in a yellow chair that had straps attached to it i sat down directly in front of the warden with no idea that the warden along with the captain and a man dressed in a white like a lieutenant his name lieutenant c davis were about to threaten to smash my face in and strap me down in this yellow chair uh they found out i did anything and i had just got to that yard i was only there for three days at the time I maintain my composure, feeling very much threatened and scared to death with so many staff members in front and behind me. It is like some coercion type stuff. So I, when I told the warden I wanted to just go home and be released to Hadway House, that uh, the last prison I was at allowed me to keep. One of the staff members said, take his Hadway House. I haven't been in any trouble at Lee County, so I don't understand why after only three days being there, I didn't feel safe knowing that staff wanted to attack me. I also learned that some prison, prisoners are scared to file grievances. That's all you hear. I mean, I ain't fouling, bro. These people gonna beat me up, bro. They gonna do this, that, and the third. So, yeah, that's that's. Uh, but it's a lot more where they came from, though. Um, I got a, uh, I got a, uh, what do you call it, a court order where I'm the where I'm the plaintiff, and the correctional officers are the uh, defendants. You know, so. Uh, but you got a lot of people there that can't read or write, and they, you know, they got life sentences. They my age. Um, you got guys that, that, that be ashamed to tell you they can't read and write. And when you see something bad happen to them, you tell them, listen, man, file this or file that. You know, they, they too discouraged. They don't want to do it. So, uh, that's kind of where, uh, where I'm at. Um, uh, I, I wanted to get all the real stuff out. You know, I could have made this like, you know, uh, watered down, but I had to just keep it, uh, I had to keep it authentic and, and let you guys know, uh, everything that's kind of going on so you can get an idea of what it's like to be in there. You don't know if you're going to make it out dead or alive. Well, so, I, uh, I, I applaud you. I just 
first and foremost, I just thank God for you and that he made sure that you made it home and that you made it home alive. So before I say anything else, I want um, Brother Draco to, to not ask you questions um, in regards to your, your, you know, your ordeal. So Brother Draco. Yes. I wonder, um, like, did anybody was reprimanded for their actions towards you or were they held accountable for the actions towards you? Um, see, it's a process, right? Uh, I was, uh, what I learned is that the source that we've been petitioned to our grievance are actually the source of our grievances. Like, so, you know, they stick together. Yes. They talk about the blood, the cribs, yeah. the gangster disciples and mm -hmm. all these guys. But in my opinion, the um, United States of America's yeah. government is the biggest gang in the world. You know, and um, well, that's, <laughs> yeah, you know, so okay. they basically, they haven't been petitioned mm -hmm. for it, but because they, they wait it out. They say, okay, well, they keep on doing, uh, they, they, they allow certain ones to be able to retire. And the way they keep their record clean is they keep on uh, appealing it. Well, we, we're going to uh, mm -hmm. wait to four months down the road and then we're going to yeah. answer your agreements. And then some guys get discouraged and they say, forget about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, but the ones that are from the situation where they split my head and um, mm -hmm. I had to go to physical therapy for like a year, they've been, uh, according to what one of their people told me, one of their staff members told me, uh, the investigator said they don't, they don't uh, work at their prison no more. And I asked him why. He said, oh, okay. you know, because of my situation. Yeah. So, but for the most part, yeah. 90, I'm going to say 90% go up under the table. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And they well, know people don't say, have money for lawyers. Yeah. I don't know if you're aware, but I, I just served 18 years myself. So I know how the system does and what you're up against. Um, oh, I ain't but know that. Situation, yeah. For situations like, yeah, I, I have only been home three months, brother. And so I understand okay. completely what you're going through and, and what you're dealing with. Um, and that's yeah. the beauty thing. That's the beauty behind what we're doing, because we we can't be quiet to what we experienced and came across, because you know of fear or retaliation. You must you know do what men do, and if it's something that you don't like about a situation or there's something that you don't like about a certain thing, you can do you speak out against it if you can't physically change it. If you can't speak out yeah. against it, at least hate it in your heart. But if you're able to be a voice, then be that voice. Because to be silent, it's almost like you're going to accept it or that you agree into whatever is taking place. Um, but it surprised me that we, a lot of us don't know. If I assault you right now, you can go downtown or police office or police station and press charges. You know, if you assaulted in there, we don't know what's the you know, with the procedures to us pressing charges. And that's how they get away, away with a lot of them things. But the main thing right. is now that you are, you're able to be a voice and to, to bring awareness because people don't realize we're talking about in the United States of America. We talking yeah, the United about, States of America, this ain't a state prison. Yeah, yeah. And this, this, is, this, is not, this is not some third world country where this is yeah. common. But see, you don't realize what goes on in our penal system. And if people out there that's listening, we have to inform them of what's taking place. You know, we have to inform them of the injustice that we deal with day in and day out when you are incarcerated because you may think that, oh, this doesn't affect me. I'm okay. Okay, yeah. I mean, I'll show you how it affects you. If you take an individual off the streets for a crime that he committed against society and you're supposed to correct or help rehabilitate this individual, but instead, you put him in a situation that worsened this individual, he's going to return back to society. He may mm -hmm. rob, 
you may be you may be the next victim. So that's how we can be affected. That's why it's, it's full circle. But what are you doing? Um, so on a lighter note, like what are you doing now to ensure that you know they're um, are going to be held accountable for what they've done to you? Um, I actually have a uh, court order, right? Um, mm-hmm. I got a court order they sent me, uh, and I call Angus Love uh, Courts in Pennsylvania. They got the prison litigation uh, project up there, and uh, they actually just sent me some copies asking me to uh, forward the copy to the warden of the prison and one to the United States attorney over my case um, of the cameras. I'm, I'm asking for the camera footage of what happened. So once that goes on, um, you know, that gets, uh, uh, the, the judge looks at that and when they look at the camera and see that, okay, man, you know, the camera ain't gonna lie. And everything, yeah. you know, uh, uh, that took place is on the camera. So with that being said, and then also, uh, my brother has a format with his music um, to where he got a lot of followers. Uh, you know, he's connected um, to some good people. Um, you know, uh, we got, he got a team that, uh, you know, they record stuff. They, you know, they're kind of professional in a lot of ways. So mm-hmm. through him, and he had a lot of people that look up to him as far as like the youth. So by yeah. me being um, a gang member uh, for so many years uh, and somebody that was effective in my city, I had the first uh, change the people, places, and things uh, where I was at. So I'm really just uh, yeah. speaking through him. Um, I'm speaking through him, and also, uh, you know, I'm writing the guys that send there. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. I'm writing yeah. them, and uh, I'm going to send a lot of stuff to the uh, the senator for these people. And um, you know, I'm kind of calling their family members, letting them know exactly what's going on, because you know, you only get 15 minute conversations, and it costs three dollars yeah. and some change just to use the phone. For 15 minutes, yeah. that costs $3 and change. So a lot of people can't afford to call their family. See what I'm saying? Yeah, exactly. Then with the emails, uh, when you lock down all the time, you can't even email. We come mm-hmm. out for two hours. When I was at Lee County, we probably came out. We never came out for a full week the whole time I was there. And this date back all the way to February. So about 18 months, they've been on lockdown. This guy's just in population that ain't getting in trouble. So being yeah, on lockdown, wow. you kind of uh, you you don't you, you don't have the uh, opportunity to uh, you know to kind of reach out. And then what I'm also doing is I'm writing. You know, I got a book great. that I'm putting out about every. Actually, it's a movie script. It's called Cliff's Clarity Search Cliff's Search for Clarity and True Reality. And I started mm-hmm. it on January 1st. Everything that went on in there, all the conversations with the guys from you know in the feds, yeah. you got Baltimore, you got. D.C., you got Carolina, you got New York, yeah. you got L.A., you got Utah, you got all over the world. You got the Mexican, you got everybody in there, right? So I would mm-hmm. sit down and I'm a writer, so I write down the conversations that the guys used to have or that we would have during lockdown or the, or the situations that I would put it in code yeah. as far as how they lock us down because they know it's only four It's only four computers. We only get to come out for two hours. People got to take showers. People got to wash their clothes. This is how they think. Um, you know, people got to do all these different things. So they figure if we lock them down when we let them out, they all going to race to the computer. Then that's going to start an argument because somebody going to say, man, I had next or I had next or this guy had next. True. And then that's just to, yeah. just to keep more confusion going on. You see what I'm saying? So this is the kind of stuff that's taking place at that prison. And at nighttime, about 11 o'clock in the morning, they just good. They'll be drunk. They'll get on the, um, on the intercom. Ah, this is like a, a mind thing. But if you ain't strong mind, you'll break down. I've seen plenty yeah. of people break down. 
Yeah, so uh, that's well, what I'm doing. I'm just, I'm just any kind of avenue, any kind of way I can help y'all. Um, and I was telling Anita, um, some lady at CNN, her name is Melanie. Um, she's a reporter over there. She's a head reporter. That's who I'm trying to get in contact with too. Yeah. So I think um, just some words of advice because like it's gonna be tough. We got the knowledge that it's gonna be tough making those adjustments and getting re situated and acclimated back into society. So, you know, and I'm I'm telling you from my own personal experience because I when I come back home, I was a pillar. I'm a pillar of my family, you know. A lot of my uncles and cousins and sisters and brothers, they looked up to me as well as I look up to them too. Now it's not a one sided thing. But it's a lot of responsibility when you're a pillar of your family or or, or a certain group of people. So I, my advice to you is just pace yourself up. Uh, this is something that I have to work on with you to keep my relationship up. And it don't always work out. It don't always be peaches and cream. You're gonna experience some, some hardship or you know, you're gonna run into some, some ups and downs. My thing to you is stay focused. Know your purpose. You got your purpose now. You know what you wanna do. You wanna be that voice and you need you. So I commend you for that. And I want to encourage you to continue to strive and push forward for patience. So this is what I have to keep that in my life. You have to pay sometimes, you have to sit down and just breathe. You know, and this what I have this something that I have to do today is, you know, a couple of things that I'm experiencing. Is there some kind of plan of action that you have in place? Like, okay, say for example, you want something established. I want you to have some kind of plan of action to get you there because you need that. And you say you're in Raleigh now, right? No, I'm in Winston-Salem. My brother's in Raleigh. Oh, you're, you're with, oh, so your brother's in, but you're from Raleigh, so you're Winston-Salem. Yeah, but, I'm from Raleigh um, too, yeah. Still, yeah, still, that's an area that, that's like, you know, anywhere else, man, been hit with some gang and gang activity. So, you know, this story that you're sharing, because you don't know that flip side of the game. You don't know that flip side when you get in prison, how much your life is in danger. People think you're sitting in prison doing time and getting all these wonderful condiments or wonderful Three meals and a, three hots and a yeah. cow, what they call it. And that's not fair. You actually stri- you struggling to live. you struggling yeah. to live day by day. If you ain't got no you know, like you, you hit. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot that you, you got to deal with. If you ain't got no um, money, you ain't using that phone. Exactly. It's a lot you got to deal with. Um, but man, I want to, I want to, um, like I say, commend you and encourage you to continue to, you know, do what you do and keep put that plan of action in place and get to it, man, because you need it. You know, and I respect what you do and I respect that you had the courage to tell your story and not just sit on your hands with it. Not just, you know, let it go and try to forget it. Because that's one thing we got to do. We got to voice the problem. We got to acknowledge the problem. And then after we acknowledge the problem, we have to come together as a collective group and try to formulate a solution, you know? And like, yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah I think I appreciate the leader so much as well, you know, because, you know, just like you, you see somebody, I, I, I come across and we met and we talked, that's why I come out to do what I can do to help her with, you know, songs to cry out, cries to cry, anything that we can do that's in a positive fashion. Well, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, uh, I'm down with whatever y'all down with. Uh, you know, um, in Hebrews 13, it say, uh, be not forgetful of your brothers that are in chains and bondage as though you're still with them. 
So, you know, um, I still feel like I'm with those guys. Um, that's why I do what I do. I write them. Uh, I send them pictures and stuff like that. Um, and at this point right here, you know, I'm going to continue to uh, to stay positive, stay focused. And uh, hopefully I can um, talk to you a little bit more um, in the near future. Um, I can support y'all any kind of way y'all need my help. Um, I'm here. And I ain't going back. <laughs> I ain't going back. After coming from that, I don't never want to go back there. I don't never um, want to go back there. So we certainly pray that you don't go back. Um, don't even speak it. You know, if you go back, it's to help others that are in there. Go back to help them out. Um, I, I always saw the beauty of the humility in your heart, brother. That's why the day that you called me. I, I was supposed to go to a meeting that day. I had like an hour to kill. I was looking at the TV, but I wasn't really watching it. And when you called me, I said, you know what? Forget that meeting. I immediately called the people you told me to call. I got your, I think it was your uncle Barry who told me that you were a Raleigh constituent. And he told me to reach out to a congressman. And I reached out to Congressman David Price because I had reached out to him before, but not for something like this. It was, you know, just for him to come and speak at one of our events. And brother, he's a phenomenal person. And I'm gonna I'm gonna harass him. I'm gonna go to his office in person anyway. And I'm gonna tell him this. And I want you to set up a meeting so that way you can talk to him and thank him personally and explain to him what happened to you, what happened to those other brothers, and what continues to happen. Because these people, like God, God's word says that once the enemy is exposed, we have to expose him. Once we know about the enemy, we have to expose him. So like Brother Draco said, you have to. You have to expose these people. You have to continue to fight for other people because it's not just about what happened to you. It can happen to your, your son, of, you know, it can happen to your brother, it can happen to me, it can happen to anybody because we are targeted. We're targeted out here on the streets and, and, and you know, this prison system is a billion dollar housing industry and we are the major mortgage payee, payers on this prison system. So, um, I just thank God for you and I'm here for you for anything. And that's for you too, brother Jago, for anything. So, um, before we go, before we go, I, I wanted to, uh, one of the brothers is locked up. He wanted me to request this, right? If there's any kind of way, you know how they had, uh, with all the black guys getting pulled over and killed by the police in the street. And, uh, they made the police wear body cams. This is yeah. the funny thing. I don't understand why the correctional officers don't have to wear body cams. You know, that'll stop a whole lot of stuff. So if somebody can kind of uh, propose that or, or implement that, that, then you get to hear what they're saying. And then they say, you know, I don't smoke cigarettes, period, right? But uh, it's not supposed to be no tobacco on the yard, period. But what they're doing is the, the, uh, the COs, they come, they smoke, they spit on the ground. Guys, pick up this spit, dry it out in the microwave and smoke it. You see what I'm saying? That's why when them guys, when them guys get caught with that spit, uh, you know, they don't, it's like, you know, it, it's not even a charge, not even a write-up. You can do that. So you can it's, start it's a lot a, of stuff. You can start a petition, or you can you can write up a bill. You know, you can you can propose a bill and and you know implement it and then present it. You can do that because I've never heard of such a thing happening. I'm not, I've never been in prison, and no one else has ever you know told me about how this is happening. So you can yeah. do that. All right. I help you draft it, but I you sh you should be the one to present it. You know, it's like you're the right. face for this. Yeah. All right, that's what I'll do. I'll be the, I'll be the face. That's a great idea. I'll be, 
Yeah, I, I, I'm definitely um, down with it. Um, I'm going to start drawing it up, and uh, I'm going to send it to you, and um, and we'll go from there. You just, you know, give me the constructive yeah. criticism that I need, and we'll just take it from there. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. And it's, it's these things that we need to be more aware of. We need to be aware of the problems, and we need to formulate solutions. Like I said, that's, that's one of the solutions, you know, that may help curb or to, you know, prevent some of these unnecessary um, treatments that we experience while in prison, while we're being incarcerated. Because it's definitely a thing that, okay, we got a system and we have everything going. Now that system has to be manned. Now, since, you know, it's some, and they don't care who they put in place. All that's required is a GED. You don't know if you're putting somebody that has hate in their heart or revenge in their blood. You don't know what's going on with the person that's hired to watch over a guy that's incarcerated. And there's no adequate chain, um, training. It's nothing to train people how to deal with psychological issues, how to deal with, you know, mental, mental health. They don't, they don't have any training on any of that. They're just hired to watch over you, to babysit you. And if doing so, it's tensions and then situations that cause egos and personalities to clash. And then we end up with a situation like what you had to experience, you know? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I really appreciate y'all. Um, like I say, whatever y'all need me, whatever y'all need me for, yeah. I'm here. Um, yeah, we really appreciate you sharing your story, man, and you know putting it out there. Like you say, you didn't sugarcoat anything, you didn't hold anything back, and that, to me, that's courage. You know, that's courage. I mean, people, you know, don't realize how important it is to talk about the things that you go through, just so others can be aware and hopefully learn from your situation. Yeah. Um, yeah. I thank God um, to be able to share with y'all, and uh, you know you can feel it. You went through it, so you know you can yeah. feel it. And I'm pretty sure everybody else can feel it. You know, so uh, hopefully, uh, you know, I'm gonna trust in God that some changes are happening for them dudes in there. And uh, it ain't even about me no more. I, you know, I made it out of that, so now I'm just trying to speak for them. Yep. Well, like I said, it's good talking to you, brother, and I really appreciate you um, sharing your story and Demita. It's always a pleasure, and you, it's great that you got everything in place for us to be a voice. This platform is magnificent. I appreciate you, brother. Um, I just thank God because I don't take any credit for any of this. I just thank him that I answered the call when I did, and the call to do the ministry because I had said no at first. I was like, I'm not affected by this. You know, my kids, you know, they're not in prison. I'm not in prison, you know. And I was like, I got too much to do. And God was like, no, you're going to answer this call. And I'm I'm just grateful. I'm honored. And like I said, I love you guys dearly. And there's nothing I wouldn't do for you. So, um, and I just want, you know, the listeners out there to know that, hey, you know, we all need to be on board with this. We have to be educated on prison culture in this country because it is no joke. I mean, when I hear brothers that are stopped by the cops for no reason and they end up in prison for like four years and nearly die in prison. I mean, come on, man. It could happen to any one of us. So I thank you guys for being the voices, you know, and not giving up. I mean, I've I've heard, I'm not going to mention the sister's name. She's out here. She's doing her thing now. She's got book deals. She's got movie deals. She's in the White House. But she forgot about the sisters in Aliceville. 
you know, and I communicated with her when I first started this ministry. And it's like, you know, you can't, for, you, you cannot forget. Like, how can you forget? So I applaud you guys very much. Yeah, we love you back. I love you back. Yes, likewise. I mean, it's, it's no words can express the appreciation that, that I get from being able to co-host with you. And give me not only something to look forward to, it gives me an avenue to tell people, to let people know, hey, man, this this is what I experienced. This is what some of these brothers experienced from the Talladega 12 to, you know, Brother Clifford here and other brothers that and sisters that's doing time in prison. And, and you know, when you get to the core of it, it's really not worth it. Like, it's not worth the time they get. I'm not saying that we shouldn't be reprimanded for breaking laws. But what I'm saying, we should be, it should be just, it should be just. Yes. Well, Brother Cliff, do you want to leave any last words with the listeners before we um, depart? Yeah, uh, all I can say is God did it. Just keep faith in God. Because, um, you know, one thing they can't do, they can't, you know, uh, they can't, they'll never take my spirit. Uh, you got to speak out. Um, and you just got to give all all credit to God. Because God, uh, when you believe in him, you got trust in him. He say anybody who fears one of his kids better off you know, putting a rope around their neck and jumping off a cliff or whatever. So yeah, I just thank God, you know, that's, that's, that's all. Um, and just, you know, tell Amen. people, uh, you know, about the goodness of God and, and what he'll do for you. You just got to pray. And you can't think it's strange concerning this uh, fiery trial as though some strange thing happened, but you got to count it all joy. So now I'm laughing at it. <laughs> I'm laughing at it, uh, but I'm still crying for them on the inside. You know what I mean? That's, that's what's going on. That's, that's all I got to say. Well, I thank you so much, brother, and I look forward to doing so many wonderful things with you because I know God has got so much for you to do, and um, it's an honor. And I'm glad that I connected you and Brother Draco together because he's a powerful brother, and I think you guys collaborating together, you're going to be a force to be reckoned with. So, all right. Uh, well, we, you know, we we we're gonna have each other's information right now through you and all that. Um, I'm I'm here. Um, I'm only a phone call away. Um, likewise, brother. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, likewise. That's all. You know, now there's no excuses. We, we got to stay connected. Yeah. Yeah, all right. man. All right. All right. Good talking to you, brother. Appreciate it. Yes. All right. Good talking yes. to you guys, too. And um, I'll be in touch. Okay. You be blessed. Love you much. All right. All right. Love you, too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bless you, brother. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for sticking it out with us for that amazing and powerful interview. I thank my co-host, Draco Sullivan, and my amazing guest, my baby brother, Clifton Washington, and we will now break for a commercial. Looking for ways to expose your product or brand? Please go to www.a2anc.com or email us at the Stones Will Cry Out Radio Show at gmail.com. You can also call us at 919 264 4638. The Stones Will Cry Out, where the voices of men and women and children behind bars will not be silenced.
and preteens. Do you have dreams and aspirations of owning your own business? Then look no further. Our Youthpreneurs for Life guide to financial literacy and small business planning is the ultimate tool for you. Start by claiming your status by rocking a young boss, business oriented and self sufficient, or a CEO chasing excellent opportunities T-shirt. You can also rock our signature wild square woman of wisdom, woman of the world T-shirts. Do you love writing? We can also bring your story to life by helping you to become an author. All of these products, services, and more can be purchased on our website at www.a2anc.com. Aspire to acquire, strive, soar, and succeed. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for tuning in to that powerful segment of Brother Clifton Washington's account of horror of heinous acts of brutality that was inflicted upon him that had a lot to do with how he's feeling emotionally, mentally, psychologically, and physically today. We must come together. We must educate ourselves. We must be collaborative in learning about prison culture and in prison criminal reform. We have to do this because there are so many people who are not going to make it. By the grace of God, he is out now. But there are so many others who, like he said, they are behind and they are suffering. They are suffering at the hands of these racist and evil people. They're not even people. Okay, they're creatures. They're savages. People's civil rights, their space, and, and their overall lives and humanity are being violated left and right. And that should not be happening in this so-called country that's supposed to be the greatest nation in the world. Right now, they are the worst nation to me because for something to happen like this in their backyard is done on purpose. And we must stand together. We must stand together to prevent things like this from happening to our sons, our daughters, our husbands, our wives, our sisters, our brothers, our mothers, our fathers. And I don't just mean that it's just, you know, a black thing. It's just a humanity thing. It needs to stop. So ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for tuning in. Please share this powerful segment with everybody that you know, because everybody needs to be in the know. And how are we going to know? How are we going to know unless it's not shared? So please, I urge you to share this. And I urge you to be on board with prison reform. Thank you so much. And until we meet again, may God continue to keep you and bless you. I love you all. And for my Latino people, que Dios te sigue bendiciendo y que los guarde. Maybe one day I'll translate this. God bless you all. Goodbye. We declare our right on this earth to be a man, to be a human being, to be respected as a human being, to be given the rights of a human being in this society, on this earth, in this day, which we intend to bring into existence by any means necessary. Yet our best trained, best educated, best equipped, best prepared troops refuse to fight. Matter of fact, it's safe to say that they would rather switch than fight.
whichever sounds suitable to your ears, that's what I got. It's what I'm doing. It's what I'm going to do if my appeal doesn't come through. However, freedom I still pursue. What's old is new and new is old like slaves dying in the middle passage with secrets untold. I ride to the occasion without the remedy or the county blazing. Amazingly, brain unaltered. I see this and see that. I don't hear this, don't hear that. Matter of fact, they did the thug code exactly. Words attack me, but syllables can't subtract me. I am the truth. I live for you. Take my temple, fell in the lot, I armed and gonna shoot. Like Jameer Alameen, you know what I mean? Picture the scene. We hit 41 times by some white boys out of line with badges. Justified homicide waiting to happen. The truth so sad and mistaken. The wallet for an apparent gun they speculated I was grabbing. One that I reached for that was never there. Headlines read, a young Negro executed, but Negro America doesn't check. So why should we? I got wings, I can fly, call me Mike Jordan. Look at me, I'm sober, above the clouds in the rain, problem. I hear niggas talking about me, but their hands in their pockets. Hey, I can't stop it. Projectiles die from throwaways, equal better days as long as it isn't me. Maybe I should sell out like homeboy dude. Seem like they the niggas who get the just dudes. When you whisper around here, you a celebrity. So if you gonna make it around here, know this is how you better be. Special. Reveal this and get shit under the table. Keep your mouth closed and you get labeled. I'm unstable. Let old girl tell it. But I'm the realest nigga off the block if you let my homegirl tell it. See, raindrops dropping on my head. Teardrops dropping on my shoes. My socks wet my hands shaking. Still I ain't doing no faking. I ain't tripping off the shit dude making. In a different environment, all he's got, I know I make it. These motherfuckers got my heart racing. I'm trembling inside, trying to control my rage. A revelation preordained. Damn, God. Why'd you write my life off the first chapter, the first paragraph, or the first page? In the first scripture, you said I was a sinner. Ain't you see my knees bleeding from praying so much? I'm all grown up, soft in my touch, reshape my character. What more are you after? You get breaks to the molesters who turn out to be pastors and priests. Pop the boys of the mental before becoming men. All them motherfuckers the streets. Yo, speaking in tongues, got my mama catching the Holy Ghost, leaving your church house group. This ain't no high school yes or no note. There's nothing blocking my esophagus, no lies trapped in my throat. This is practically the realest shit I ever spoke, so don't tell nobody. I'm venting. Wow. Man, I'm floored. <laughs> Man, that's deep. You like it? I love it. You like it? I absolutely love it. Um, yeah, you gotta let me know though. The talk, like how you, you know, what I'm saying you, you feel about it. But um, I'm gonna start doing this all the time, like on the regular. Okay. So, yeah, because I, I want to, you know, what I mean, we can use it